The Voices of Search podcast is a proud member of the I Hear Everything podcast network. Looking to launch or scale your podcast? I Hear Everything delivers podcast production, growth, and monetization solutions that transform your words into profit. Ready to give your brand a voice? Then visit IHearEverything.com. Bridge Toll, California, customer service number. Highway miles to the gallon, Ford Focus. Thailand Cave Rescue Operation. What is Schema F? Best wine bars in San Carlos, California. Best Western hotels. How old is Ronaldo? What happened with Big Brother? What's a good engagement? How long before a wedding should I send out save the dates? Use IMAP to check email on other email clients. Identify fonts from where to find the Welcome back to Content Month on the Voices of Search podcast. I'm your host, Benjamin Shapiro, and today we're going to continue our month-long deep dive into the words behind the numbers and discuss what SEOs need to know about content creation, publishing, and optimization. Joining us today is a very special guest, Robert Rose, who is, according to his LinkedIn profile, both the chief strategist and chief troublemaker at the Content Marketing Institute which is a resource that helps marketers maximize their content marketing efforts by teaching them how to attract and retain customers through compelling multi-channel storytelling. Today, Robert is going to talk to us about the current landscape of the content marketing industry. And this podcast is also sponsored by Ahrefs. What if I told you that you could monitor your website's SEO health, backlinks, and organic rankings at no costs? Sounds too good to be true? Well, it's not. Because my friends at Ahrefs just launched Ahrefs Webmaster Tools. Ahrefs' new Webmaster Tools product quickly helps you improve your site's visibility by pointing solutions to over 100 technical issues that might be holding your search performance down. Plus, AWT monitors for backlinks so you'll know the most linked to pages and how those links are affecting your rankings. And AWT shares what keywords your website ranks for and compares how you stack up against competitors for key metrics like search volume, keyword difficulty, and traffic value. Look, monitoring your website used to require multiple expensive tools. And now, thanks to Ahrefs, that's not the case anymore because AWT will help you monitor your SEO health, backlinks, and keywords for free. And no, it's not one of those 14-day free trial offers. It's a powerful site audit tool that will keep working for you for free. So check out Ahrefs Webmaster Tools at ahrefs.com slash A-W-T. That's A-H-R-E-F-S dot com slash A-W-T. Okay. Here is our conversation with the one and only Robert Rose, Chief Troublemaker and Chief Strategist at the Content Marketing Institute. Robert, welcome to the Voices of Search podcast. Well, thanks so much for having me. It's awesome to be here. I've been a listener of the show for some time, and it's uh, it's awesome to be on it, actually. We're, we're thrilled to have you here. I'm thrilled to have you here. And I'm also excited to talk to a fellow Chief Troublemaker. <laughs> well, you know, as I usually introduce myself, it's uh, you know I'm I'm generally overhead. Um, so <laughs> it's, I'm, it, if I'm not throwing a bomb into the middle of the conference room table, I'm you know I'm generally pretty useless. You know, uh, when I first met Jordan Cooney, the CEO of Search Metrics, and and you know one of the the hosts of this show, uh, his official business card at eBay said that he was the CIO. Chief Infographics Officer. <laughs> That's a good one. I, I, I have one of mine where 
somebody asked me my title one time and I said, the bringer of gravitas. <laughs> <laughs> Love it. Very, very presidential of you. There you go. <laughs> well, well, you know, I, I, we're really excited to have you here and uh, really excited to sort of wrap up our content marketing month by talking to you about, you know, which way the content marketing industry is headed. Let's start off by doing a quick review. Tell us a little bit about how you got into the content marketing industry and how has it changed since you started? Sure. Well, and it's changed a lot. You know, I've been in marketing now. I'm coming up on my, (laughs) uh, you know, and I have the gray hair to show it. I'm coming up on 30 years of working as a marketer. And what happened was I was a CMO of a software company in the early 2000s. And as I like to say, we before cloud was cool. Um, and it was a, you know, overall pretty much a, a struggle and pushing a rock up a hill and all of that. We were trying to introduce new terms and new ideas into a very classically uh, built infrastructure of installed software. And as a CMO, I was trying to figure out how to become a little more innovative with marketing. And one of the things that I decided was when they put those millions of dollars on my desk and said, yeah, go do that thing called marketing is that I would do something a little different. I would, instead of you know trying to compete with IBM and HP and Microsoft at the time and Oracle and all of these gigantic software companies that would always beat us in SEO and definitely beat us in any kind of spend that we would do, I was just going to be deeper. I was just going to be... We were going to be the expert in our space. And so I didn't hire marketing people. I hired content creators and designers and communicators. And I turned this into a little bit of a media company. And the reason for that was quite simply because I wanted us to be a mile deep. So when we did get invited to the table, we had a better shot of actually winning the customer because we would be seen as the thought leaders in the space. And and my, my, my hunch and my hypothesis was, I can teach them how to be marketers. You know, I can teach them how to do an A-B test. I can teach them how to do a call to action, but I can't teach them how to be great writers and great media producers. And it worked. And so over the course of eight years, the company grew and we did a nice little thing and basically became the thought leader in the space. And then I was out telling my story in, uh, in 2008, 2009 timeframe. And I met this guy, Joe Polizzi, and he was basically giving the same presentation I was. I had read his book, of course, Get Content, Get Customers. And he and I had dinner and became just fast friends immediately. We both saw things from the same perspective and him from a little bit of a difference in that he was a uh, publisher and came from the publishing point of view. And I came from more of the marketing practitioner point of view. And he was just starting this thing and he said, Hey, listen, if you ever decide that you're done with the software company, you know, we should do something together. I'm starting this thing called the Content Marketing Institute and we're going to evangelize this thing called content marketing. And I said, well, it just so happens, you know, dot, dot, dot. And the rest, as they say, is history. I, I sort of latched onto this idea of helping businesses figure out how to operationalize this thing, just like I had in my company, and figure out the right people and functions and strategy to really operationalize content as a strategic function. And I've been doing that since 2009. So I want to talk a little bit about your experience at the software company and, and try to relate it back to SEO terms where... Sure. You are competing against installed base with a, a larger chip stack, more money to spend. And your strategy was to create a high volume of content that was what you, I think you called it a, almost a publication. That's right. Um, to me, that is 
you creating the long tail, right? Trying to relate this back to SEO by having a high volume of content that covers a wide breadth of very detailed subjects. Um, as you refer back to what your strategy was back then, can you relate it to SEO terms? Were you, were you specifically trying to create content that wasn't being touched or was it about volume, timeliness, and velocity? You know, the, the strategy at the time was sort of two-pronged. Um, one of the things that I did specifically in SEO, one of the challenges that I even saw in the early days of SEO was I would hire because uh, I was certainly not an expert. So I would hire SEO, quote unquote, consultants to come in and teach me um, and my team on how to do this. And the thing that they kept saying that this never made any sense to me was, you need to pick your keywords, make a list, and then we're going to go spend the next 9 months or 12 months ranking for those keywords. And the thing that never made any sense to me was, we're going to spend 9 to 12 months ranking for these keywords. And quite frankly, in 12 months, they may be gone. They may be out of style. They may be not what everybody is searching for, especially in the business that I was in, which was quite frankly, a very evolving and fluid industry. You know, This was software as a service, cloud computing. Mm-hmm. You know, we used to call them ASPs and MSPs and, and trying to distinguish ASP, which is Active Service Provider, versus ASP, the programming language. And we had a number of keyword challenges and people weren't really searching for it yet, but they were searching for things that they were seeing. And so what we did with that was a little different was we started making bets on keywords and keyword lists that didn't rank today, but that we could own in 9 or 12 months. In other words, building a content and media strategy um, that would be hopefully, and we were wrong as wrong as often as we were right, that would actually be what people were searching for a year from now or 9 months from now. So we took a very forward-leaning approach with our, our SEO strategy and then buffeted it with this idea that, quite frankly, what we were trying to create was truly evergreen content, best practices, thought leadership, leading thought, so that because the business we were in was all about a moment of change. And that moment of change can sometimes come for an enterprise you know, software buyer, not for six months. In other words, they may have a moment to build a budget for this and then it gets canceled or they may build a budget and then something else comes up and it gets delayed. And so it wasn't about trying to find buyers in any one moment. It was building a platform that would find buyers and keep them engaged. So when that moment then arrives, we would have them engaged and ready to have a discussion. So it was truly building an audience that we would be ready for them when they were ready for us. I think that's an interesting takeaway for the SEO community is that as you are developing your SEO strategies, thinking about the landscape and trying to build a keyword list that's going to be valuable when you actually have the opportunity to rank for it. And if you think it's going to take six to nine months to rank for a keyword then you should try to pick something that's future looking as opposed to something that you need now. I like how you position the sort of time value of your SEO work. Talk to me a little bit about the Content Marketing Institute, You know the asset that you've developed with Joe Polizzi and, and what does that do? Well, Content Marketing Institute was started by Joe as a, as a media company. And when he started it, it was all about evangelizing the practice of content marketing as, a, as an approach, as a methodology for marketing. And it's still to that to this day. And when I joined, my 
sort of influence, if you will, was to sort of bring the more practitioner side of it. Joe had come from the publishing side, as I've mentioned, and basically brought a lot of the best practices. And I mean, I still learn things from Joe today about how media businesses operate, how publishers operate, and they're so applicable to what we do in marketing today. But the thing that I could bring is what was really happening in big companies when it came to the practitioner or you know, sort of view of content in an enterprise. The politics and the silos and the technology and all of the things that sort of reared their head. And together, we really started CMI as sort of a, a resource that would be available for all these marketers in typically larger businesses how to sort out what all the issues would be in making content marketing a more successful practice. And that's when we launched the business that I run, which is, of course, the education and consulting piece of it. And that's mostly what I do. And then the media operation, which was the event, primarily, the content marketing world, which happens in September each year. And of course, our blog, if you want to call it that, but it's really more than a blog at this point. Our website, which is really just a resource, you know, and a daily news source of content marketing goodness. So it's a multi-channel business where you're creating content yourself as educational content. You're doing consulting and you have an event. I imagine that you work with a lot of content creators, mostly on the consulting side. Tell me a little bit about how the content marketing industry has been changing and what are some of the you know the sort of the big factors that are influencing marketers and and maybe even if you can talk specifically about what are some of the factors that might be affecting SEOs I think the the biggest evolution that I have seen is you know as Joe used to like to say we're in the early innings of this as a strategy in the business and I think that's still true today what we've seen over the last Call it six or seven years. And, and the SEOs in your audience will appreciate this. They typically do when I, when I talk about this, where the importance of content, um, original value delivering content, and I don't necessarily just mean like, you know, ad copy and web copy and email copy and stuff like that. I mean, stuff that is supposed to deliver value in and of itself, content that is articles. Yeah, yeah. exactly. The increasing importance of that has become unquestioned, right? There is, now, really no argument that, that a business shouldn't do this to some extent. You know, you can argue about how much and quantity versus quality. And there are certainly lots and lots of uh, debates that happen around that. But the idea that it should exist somewhere in the business has, has sort of been put to bed. Now, the question is, and this is the challenge that, quite frankly, I most often solve and where we sort of sit today is that what has evolved is personal skill sets or what I call random acts or ad hoc content pockets within the business. So the demand generation team has a strategy, the PR team has a strategy, the brand team has a strategy, the web team has a strategy. Everybody's, I call it the Oprah effect of content, right? Everybody gets a content marketing strategy. And as such, we've launched a million blogs, we've launched the websites, we've got 900 landing pages out there, we've got all of these elements of content that quite frankly are a mess and aren't very focused and don't have a lot of purpose around. Sadly, in many cases, the SEO professionals are left trying to optimize all of that and continually saying in the meetings, we should cut down on the piece of content here because we need to focus here and we're not you know, optimizing here where we should be optimizing there. And it's a big ball of untangled twine right now. And so 
what we see is that businesses are finally starting to realize that. And the landscape today that we see out there are, especially in larger enterprises, finally making the discovery that content as an enterprise, strategic, and at some level, central function to the business is as important as product development. And so getting our arms around the creation, management, optimization, and measurement of content is a critical thing. And that's the real challenge these days is who should own it? What does the team look like? How does it play out? Where is the strategy? What's the channels that we're going to be on? And getting out of this sort of mentality of, yay, everybody needs content, so let's just produce as much as we can of it and throw it up against the wall and see what sticks. And rather getting much more media operation-like and figuring out what is the direct purpose and focus of the experiences we're trying to create for customers at various parts of their journey and be really good at delivering. So Robert, I guess one of the things that I have a question about is what's really driving the increase in importance of content, right? People have been writing blog posts since the dawn of the internet era. and, (laughs) And now it seems like there is a shift sort of away from a focus on paid advertising for a lot of brands and more focus on these sort of experiential advertising campaigns and that affects content. What What's driving the increased importance of content as a marketing channel? Well, I think you see a couple of things, right? Which is, you know, at a, at a tectonic scale, we see fragmentation, right? So we see fragmentation across... I mean, the, the term du jour is omni-channel, right? So we see social media, television, print, online, you know, your Apple Watch, the screen in front of you in a car, all of this fragmentation of audiences and where they're spending their screen time and how they're consuming content. And thus, you see a, a, a real... you know, I mean, look, we're spending as much money as we did on paid advertising before, but the purpose and the platform of it is evolving significantly. The overall impression levels have gone up. Of course, of course. And 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 we're spending a lot to get there. And we can have a wonderful discussion around, you know, the the efficacy of that and bots and fraud and and you know and GDPR and, and where all of that is going. But the ultimate net result of it is an increased importance on creating content that delivers value and quite frankly starts to deliver trust earlier in the relationship. And so differentiating whether you're Nike and you're going to create a Colin Kaepernick ad and all the content around that, and you're going to pay for some, you know, some placement of that, right? You know, some, some of that content you're going to pay for placement for. But the goal of it is to differentiate you in a way that develops trust in the brand going forward instead of saying, buy now, buy now, buy now, buy now. And the same goes for the website, the same goes for email, the same goes for social media, especially as it becomes a more paid-oriented platform. The importance of good content rises in importance as the need to pull trust forward with consumers has become such an important thing with the fragmentation of audiences and the lack of attention and, you know, and really you know, any kind of brand loyalty that, that might exist. Time for a one-minute break to hear from our sponsor, Previsible. So you're looking for SEO help, and you got a couple of options. You could start replying to spam from agencies that claim they can get you to rank number one on Google. You can pay an hourly rate for a consultant who will inevitably nickel and dime you with hourly charges. 
Or you can work with a cookie-cutter agency to quickly launch a strategy-less project with a low success rate. None of those sound very good, now do they? Well, that's where Previsible's integrated consulting model comes in. Previsible draws from a collective 40 years of SEO and digital marketing experience to unlock your organic growth opportunities. They build custom solutions that combine strategy, technical expertise, content, and reporting to effectively operationalize SEO for your business. Previsible's four-stage approach ensures that your SEO programs thrive by starting off with a strategy-first approach. Then they support you in your efforts to create quality content, help you identify technical issues, and most importantly, they'll work with your cross-functional teams to integrate your SEO strategies to make sure that your SEO budget actually drives results, not just your agency's bottom line. So join brands like Yelp, eBay, Canva, Atlassian, Square, all who rely on the SEO consultants at Previsible. For more information, go to previsible.io. That's previsible, P-R-E-V-I-S-I-B-L-E dot I-O. What I'm hearing is that we're being advertised to more often in more different places because we have our, our smartphones and just putting a performance-based banner ad in front of somebody saying, buy something, doesn't do the trick like it used to because people are always being advertised to and we're desensitized to that. So the way to reach consumers is to build trust and build relationships with them. And that's where content is a better vehicle than sort of the traditional format of advertising. Yeah. I mean, a great example of this is you look at Edelman's trust barometer and you look at just trust generally in the mainstream media. And so... If you look at that and you compare numbers, you know, and, and I'll get these numbers slightly wrong, but let's say they're in the high 30s, low 40s, um, where trust in mainstream media and the, the facts and information that we're being given is generally where consumers are these days. And that's an extraordinarily low number and you can feel it. You know, we don't have to have research to tell us that we don't have a ton of trust in mainstream media these days, but that goes across the board. That's not, you know, that's not just one or two networks or one or two content platforms. That's across the board of media, broadly speaking. Consumers are being advertised and sold to not only in paid advertising, but of course in the content itself in many ways. And the distrust has grown highly because of it. You know, let's not forget that in the, you know, 60s, in the 70s, and that's remember, you know, we're talking Watergate era. Trust in mainstream media was in the high 70s and low 80%. And so it has come down markedly. And so while that says, you know, maybe not so wonderful things about where we are culturally right now, it is an extraordinarily big opportunity for us as brand marketers and marketers to create that trust. It's a low bar right now. And so starting to create trust earlier in the process and differentiation in what we deliver and our point of view on the world and what we stand for is the opportunity to be the you know trusted source of interesting things is to become Amazon. It is to become Netflix. It is to become Disney. It is to become Starbucks, USA Today, and you know, and then translated out to B2B, you know, IBM and all of the companies that are creating value through their content programs that are ultimately pulling trust forward and building an audience that believes in what they're what they stand for. Yeah, it's interesting. I mean, I what I'm inferring from what you're saying is that the process used to be 
sell, 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 sell once somebody or customer build the relationship with them. And now it has to be build the relationship, sell, cultivate the relationship. Well, that's exactly it, right? Because, you know, that's where we have the opportunity. I've talked about this before, but, you know, this idea, it used to be about attention. And as marketers, we have been classically trained at university to conflate attention and trust. In other words, time spent on site, or we look at how much attention we've gotten in our television rating or a TV commercial. And in many ways, that attention could be at least correlated to some success metric. That's no longer true with trust as low as it is. Attention is not the same as trust. And I can be loud and I can be noisy and I can get somebody's attention and it can be for very, very, very bad things. And that will not affect in a good way my marketing, uh, my marketing results. And so that's the opportunity. So talk to me about best practices for content marketing and specifically you know, when you talk about how do marketers and SEOs build that trust to make their content effective? Well, it starts, you know, honestly, it starts with good content. And I know that's a, you know, I know that's a circular argument, right? You know, it's like, <laughs> hey, how do you create content that people trust? You create trustworthy content. But I think beyond that, what we have to do is figure out a way, because what happens in business so often, I find, is that we get into this content, you know, it's just like we were talking about at the top of the show which is we get into this mentality in business of, hey, content works. This stuff works. And so what happens is, is without a purpose and focus, a strategic purpose and focus behind content as a function, people look at content as, a, as an alternative to a piece of collateral material or a catalog or an advertisement and start measuring it as such. And that's the wrong way to measure it. If we start measuring it like that, we will ultimately fail because content, good content, quality content, trustworthy content, is harder to create than an ad or a piece of collateral or a catalog. And so it has to start with this, what is it worth, what experience are we trying to build for a customer at whatever part of the journey we're looking to build this experience? And what would that mean if we could pull trust forward here? Like if going out of this experience, they trust us a little more deeply, if they give us a little more information because they want to give us more information, if they convert in a little higher, you know, preponderance because they really start to become, you know, more deeply involved or invested in our point of view, what does that look like? And how do we do that in a concerted way that where we don't have to pay attention to the noise of sales going, hey, make the logo pop more, or we go, hey, we've got to put a call to action in here, or hey, there aren't enough mentions of the product in this. How do we get to a point where our focus becomes audience-centric and developing trust. And if we can't start there, we'll never sort of get there because the, the pressure then to create persuasive, ad copy, marketing product-heavy content is just too great. I hear what you're saying in the sense of how building trust is important. And I guess the thing that sticks out to me is that authenticity is a, an increasingly important thing where you build trust by by getting across the point that you are someone that is knowledgeable and that there is no ulterior motive or no hidden motive to you creating the piece of content that you're creating. Um, who's doing a good job building content? What are some of the examples that you point to of somebody that's doing a nice job building trust? And you know, if you can think of you know maybe tie in what their SEO strategies might be or how they're implementing it, that would be wonderful. 
Well, let me give you a couple. Um, and I'll, I'll, I'll tie one, at least one of them into SEO because one, I actually know what they're doing on SEO and the other one I don't. Of course, the, the quintessential example of the trust, uh, I love this case study, is what Red Bull does. And we often talk about Red Bull, right? I mean, you know, you can't go to a content marketing conference and not hear Red Bull mentioned. But the thing that I love about what Red Bull does is, first of all, it's not only a focused strategy for them, it's an entire division, right? It's a company. It makes money. They add money to the bottom line. They sell advertising, they sell sponsorships. Red Bull Media House, yes, is the main marketing arm of Red Bull, but more importantly, it's a focused business strategy for them. Now, here's the thing about the trust. They have done the research into with their audience that shows. So first of all, we're going to both have to agree that Red Bull tastes like crap. I mean, it's just a horrible, horrible tasting drink. And we, <laughs> we need to agree on that. For the sake uh, of the podcast, yes. sure. There we go. I don't think I it tastes terrible. It'll just kill you. It's really bad. <laughs> okay. Um, and so uh, it's Jägermeister bad. Um, and so... Well, no, that's the Jägermeister that you're tasting. It's not the yeah. Red Bull. <laughs> Fair enough. Fair enough. Um, the other thing is, is that it's the most expensive soft drink in the soft drink aisle, typically. And so what they've done the research to show is that people who have either tried Red Bull and don't like it, or people who have never tried Red Bull, will actually recommend Red Bull to their friends because of the value that they've gotten out of the content that they receive from Red Bull. Now, that's not an SEO story. That is a trust being delivered at the very top of the funnel with an audience that either doesn't know you or knows you and tried you and didn't like you. Imagine getting recommended for your product from a customer who has either never tried your product or quite frankly, has tried it and was dissatisfied with it. But they get so much value out of the content that you that they created a trust, a level of trust that, you know what? I didn't like it, but somebody, my friend, might. So I'm going to recommend it to him. That's a powerful story. Now, on the SEO side, I would point to a lot of what the company Indium is doing. Indium is a soldering B2B company, soldering and soldering equipment. And they have, and they're not a big company, they're a mid-sized uh, company. They have 23 different blogs, each one fronted with an engineer in front of it. And they have a complete SEO strategy for all of the different flavors of soldering and soldering equipment. And that's why they have 23 separate blogs for each flavor of solder, each fronted by a, a particular engineer. And they call it there from one engineer to another. And they ostensibly just answer every single question a soldering engineer is going to have about an experiment they want to run but don't have time to run it. Now, they, don't, they answer every single question. They don't publish the answer to every single question, but they publish most of it. And they have, all of those blogs, by the way, are now translated into six different languages. So if you said to me, Who's the biggest media company in soldering? I would tell you it's not a media company, it's India. And the wonderful thing about that is, is that it not only works from a search and from a, a, just a general ranking perspective, but it works from a trust perspective as well, because these are engineers who come to trust the answers and information they get from India, whether or not it has anything to do with their product. And many times the content, quite frankly, doesn't. So the last question I have for you is, you've been a marketer for 30 years. You've been at the Content Marketing Institute for, I, I won't say it too loudly, but <clears throat> a decade. Yeah, and yeah. Uh, Highlight my age, why don't you? Yeah. Well, you know, you look great for being 35. That's all I'm going to oh, say. You're very, you're very, very sweet. And you know, you've seen changes in the value of, of content as a marketing channel. 
if you can you know, read the tea leaves and look into the crystal ball, uh, what do you see being the future of content marketing? What direction are we heading next? You know, I think there's a couple of different directions. I think one, you know, I think the interesting thing I find in the SEO space is broadening out because honestly, the last, you know, and search engine professionals, quite frankly, are way more out ahead of this than, than I am. But what I've noticed is, is that in many cases, what SEO became for a lot of companies was they just should call it GEO, right? So it was Google you know, optimization. And it is so much more than that. It is, you know, I, I know companies in manufacturing that have entire SEO practices that are focused on Amazon and that are focused on Target and Walmart. And I know other SEOs that are really focused in on social and how to optimize against YouTube. And that, I think the growth of that has been really inspiring to me. And I think it's such an important piece as the web evolves itself and turns into voice search activated and other sort of big channels that we would normally think of as the web itself, i.e. Facebook or you know Amazon, etc. How search is really such an important component of building access to us as a brand. That I think will continue to expand and becomes a much more interesting, uh, interesting sort of expansion, quite frankly, I find that much more interesting than I find sort of the buzz around artificial intelligence and all that crap. Um, but on the same side, I see this idea of as we build out these experiences, whether we call them publications or blogs or websites or email newsletters or thought leadership hubs or whatever they are, getting more focus around the value and, and the sort of platform like integration into the business is where I see the next sort of step for most businesses as they take them. It's sort of what I was talking about at the top of the show, sort of evolving out of that siloed mentality of content and getting much more into a how do we make content flow through our business like, you know, like blood, like water, you know, what so that it really we can control how much better it can be used and control the costs uh, around it. Those are all short-term um, things that I see businesses really focused on. Longer term down the road, yes, artificial intelligence, machine learning, content creation at scale, all that stuff is going to become, I think, fairly interesting. But right now, it's just a mosquito noise around everybody's head. And sadly, I think marketers have too much attention on it right now. It's the, it's the new shiny thing in front of yes, us. Of course. Of course. Okay. And there will be a lot of overpurchase of software as a result of it. Um, and um, But I think one of those things... I can't remember who it was. It's a, a, I want to say it was... Uh, it might have been Andy Crestadina or somebody like that. Who, who It was a great quote. That, and I'll, So I'm misattributing it for sure. But it basically said, before we go buy the new thing, we should probably get good at the old thing. <laughs> yeah, definitely true. I, I do think that it's interesting that you find the verticalization of search beyond just Google into video content and e-commerce in YouTube and Amazon, more interesting than AI. Uh, any other last uh, you know, upcoming future trends that you think are interesting or that SEOs should be aware of? Well, I, you bring up video. And I think that's an incredibly important one. You know, The web is becoming much more video-based. And along with that comes 
the not only the text but the audio and even the the search around imagery. I used to have a really good friend of mine, and in fact, the work the software company that I told you about, who was just an amazing computer scientist and had all kinds of sort of heuristics for searching against imagery and using that for robotics. And I think that's another part of search that's truly interesting is having, you know, search recognize images and then how do you start optimizing image creation to be better found on search. That includes video as well. It's something that we've actually focused on a fair amount at Search Metrics, where you know we are an SEO and content marketing platform, uh, but a big part of our marketing strategy is producing audio content, this podcast, and we're using that and transcribing it and basically repurposing different mediums of content to produce you know valuable, trustworthy ways to reach out with our consumers across multiple mediums. And I do think that there's something to be said for you know, video becomes audio, audio becomes text, text becomes searchable. Yes, exactly right. Okay. Well, Robert, it's an honor and a privilege to have you on the podcast. Thank you so much for making the time. It's been a pleasure to talk to you. And I I hope that everybody that's listening appreciates that, uh, you know, Robert is absolutely an influencer in the content marketing industry. And like I said, we're, we're very excited to have you on the show. Thank you so much for having me. What a, what a fun discussion this was. Great. Well, glad to have you on. And that wraps up this episode of the Voices of Search podcast. Thank you for listening to my conversation with Robert Rose, the Chief Content Strategist and Chief Troublemaker at the Content Marketing Institute. We'd love to continue this conversation with you. So if you're interested in contacting Robert, you can find a link to his LinkedIn profile in our show notes. You can send him a tweet where his handle is Robert underscore Rose, R-O-B-E-R-T underscore R-O-S-E. Or you can visit his company's website, which is contentadvisory.net. And a special thanks to Previsible for sponsoring this podcast. If you're looking for support with all of your SEO needs, Previsible's integrated consulting model is there for you. They draw on a collective 40 years of SEO and digital marketing experience to help you unlock your organic search and growth opportunities. So join brands like Yelp, eBay, Canva, Atlassian, and Square, all who rely on SEO consultants at Previsible. For more information, go to previsible.io. That's P-R-E-V-I-S-I-B-L-E dot I-O. And a special thanks to Ahrefs for sponsoring this podcast. Monitoring your website used to require multiple expensive tools, but that's not the case anymore thanks to Ahrefs because they just launched their Ahrefs Webmaster Tools product, which monitors your SEO health, helps you keep track of your backlinks, and gives you the insight into what keywords are performing for free. So check out Ahrefs Webmaster Tools at ahrefs.com slash A-W-T. That's Ahrefs, A-H-R-E-F-S dot com slash A-W-T. If you have general marketing questions or if you'd like to talk about this podcast, you can find my contact information in our show notes or you can send me a tweet at Ben J. Schaap. That's B-E-N-J-S-H-A-P. And if you like this podcast and you want a regular stream of SEO and content marketing insights in your podcast feed, hit the subscribe button in your podcast app and we'll be back in your feed next week. Lastly, if you've enjoyed this podcast and you're feeling generous, we'd love for you to leave us a review in the Apple iTunes store or wherever you listen to your podcast. Okay, that's it for today. Thanks again to Robert Rose for joining us. And until next time, remember, the answers are always in the data.